I actually went somewhere for the first time. Like I went like somewhere on like a, a trip or a journey, I guess. Like for the oh, first wow. time uh, since COVID, I'm, I'm vaccinated now. So over over Memorial Day weekend, I went to go visit my friend uh, Jacob in Wisconsin. And I he Jacob is I don't know if you're aware of this, but like the the customizable card game market is currently experiencing like a huge boom again for the first time in a long time. Really? I, I don't know if you've if you've heard about this. Yeah. So like especially of, like. like- like new games are coming out or just like people are buying cards from older uh both both so like uh pokemon cards are like experiencing like there's a huge run of pokemon cards right now like a, a lot of a lot of stores have actually stopped stocking them because they're afraid of violence breaking out because of a bunch of like d-bags who don't actually play who are i'm not calling my friend a d-bag for what it's worth he's he doesn't do this but a bunch of d-bags who don't actually play are just like raiding the shelves and you know fighting each other over them so they can sell just all these cards for ridiculous amounts of money yeah and like there's other there's other new games that are out too like like, um, my friend is really into this game called Flesh and Blood, which is, like, I think a New Zealand game, but it's he really likes it a lot, and so... Uh, anyway, we were we, we played that and we kind of were talking about cards and stuff. But he's actually so he he has a bunch of stuff he's been collecting and he also has stuff that he's been playing. But then he also is just has he's been also buying and then flipping cards that he doesn't want or need, right? So okay. he's made a good amount of money doing this, like just kind of like finding cards that you know, for example, like he has right now a bunch of WWE customizable card game packs from the '90s, uh, and he's. <laughs> And he's selling those, and like so, so he has he has a few like pretty rare packs that have like a different a different wrestler on them than the most the most of them do and stuff. So anyway, he's he's doing like pretty well at that, and he's enjoying himself. But so he was he found someone who was kind of selling this his stuff for kind of cheap, and didn't I think necessarily realize what he had, and so he was kind of buying this stuff for you know below what he normally would be able to buy it for. And in so doing, he bought a bunch of Star Trek the like the 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 made by Decipher the company that made the Star Wars customizable card game and then. 90s that you and I both uh, love. Yep. They made a Star Trek game too, and so he bought a bunch of those. And um, when I was at his house, uh, we opened them and just kind of looked at them and played and stuff. He's not a big Star Trek fan, been, but he was. You'd been looking into that game recently, too, yeah? Right? Or was this what well, triggered so, that? Well, yeah. So he kind of told me about this, and then I was kind of curious about maybe trying to play. And so I, I actually I spent a bit of money to get the start like the original four starter decks from the second edition of the game which came out like in like the early 2000s uh, it's funny because uh this the starter decks for the second edition of the game are like you can play as there's four different factions so there's like a ds9 faction a tng faction a romulan faction and a klingon faction and you can tell basically i would guess within like one or two years in either direction when this game made was made because the face like the, per, the person who's on the cover of the box of the romulan faction is shinzon from uh <laughs> from, from nemesis <laughs> which is like well you know, there's no other time in history when they would have had Shinzon representing who the Romulans were. Um, you know, now it would be like the the Romulan with sunglasses from Picard or something, yeah. but uh, or the hot Romulan or whatever. But um, yeah, so I I kind of got that, and I actually I before I played with him, I played that game with with my wife Kim, and that game we had such a bad time playing it that I I, I do want to actually go on YouTube and just see if we were playing it wrong because I was like, there's no way that people still like this if it's <laughs> if it's like this boring because it was just kind of like you just kind of have to like load everyone onto a ship and then the other person will like play cards to see if you can't accomplish a mission and then that just kind of happens and there's like there's like no sense of like dynamic 
dynamism or movement or anything. Hmm. You know, like, say what you want about, like, the Decipher CCG of Star Wars from that we like, but it's a weird kind of broken game almost, but, like, there is something very fun about it. You know, like, it's such a very, like, weird game where you can, like, you can theoretically do a lot of, like, weird stuff, you know? Yeah, and, and it is one where, and again, I think there's, the there's like, a fun way to play it and then a competitive way to play it where you just, like, maximize, like, the best set of cards. But yeah, the fun way to play it... Time, oh, go on, sorry. Yeah, the like because you read about these like tournament decks or whatever that it's just like Shmi Skywalker and twenty eight right. Tuscan Raiders and apparently that's like the best thing you can have. But the the fun way to play, I feel like, is there's all these things that are really like the amount of chance it would take to kind of set it up right is really hard. Yes, but yes, like it exactly. feels really rewarding if you can actually do it. If you can like, there's like a series of like Jedi trials to train Luke Skywalker or. I mean, I'm not convinced that anyone's ever actually successfully done that one though. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Or I think that the uh, one there was one game we played. Though. There was one game we played where yeah. we were actually like we were pl- we had I think on purpose like decided to both have a bunch of Hoth locations and you had the shield generator and I actually like was able to use the dark side like yeah. blow up the shield generator card like I yeah got, was, I think there was those are called epic events yeah and I like had an ATAT and like a pilot on it and like blew up the shield generator and it was just like very like satisfying and rewarding yep but, I still I still yeah very memorable like I still I still remember. The, that ex- that exact thing um and yeah so for all that game's flaws like because again it's like you know back to the, the the jedi training thing it's like no one's ever done that like it, it's just it's so ridiculously hard you have to orient your entire deck around it and it's not really like worth it but it, that game has a lot of fun stuff in it and then i played the second edition of this and i was like this is so boring and so i still i haven't looked on youtube yet i want to see if i'm just doing it wrong but the but anyway though so when, when he had a bunch of first edition cards and so we opened those and it took us several hours because he had he he had two different sealed boxes of stuff. So he had a sealed oh, box wow. of of booster packs. These are all from like the first set, which is only TNG focused. So he had he had a, a sealed a sealed box of booster packs, and then he also had a steel sealed box of starter sets. So not starter decks, but like that thing that they did with mm-hmm. Premiere, where they just put a bunch of random cards, like sixty random cards, into a box, and you probably couldn't actually play the game. Right. the cards you got um so, but but we had but you know he had we probably had i think i think there was uh probably like 16 starter sets in there and then there was a ton of star- booster decks so we, we spent a long time opening and it was it was super fun it just really took me back yeah. to like those days and even like you know when, when we would buy boxes a little a little later and share them um and we had so many that we actually that basically by the time we got done opening all of them we had almost the entire main cast from tng oh, nice. <laughs> you know, even though those are all like rare cards <laughs> Yeah, we had everybody except for Picard and Riker, uh, I believe. Wow. Um, and, the, and we also had, like, we had Lux- Luxana and Alexander and uh, Lursa, <laughs> I think. And we had uh, we had Kern. We had, like, yeah, so many people who were related to Worf's lineage, you know. Nice. Um, but yeah, and that, that, but we played a game with that, though, and that was actually pretty fun. I, um, we might see each other this summer, I think we've talked about that. And Yeah, uh, we should, I, I, I was going to talk to you about that today, actually, off the air. But yeah, it, it, but if we do, we should we should uh, we should play this game because it was pretty fun. It's it's because it's it's not really very combat focused like the Star Wars one is. It's more focused on going to all these different planets and completing missions, and then like okay. there. And so it's almost like every time you try to complete a mission, you have like a little mini episode breaks out where like you you flip over these cards and there are dilemmas that the other player has chosen secretly to try to fight you. So hmm. that's pretty fun. So I um I don't think I'm gonna probably 
buy more. We'll see. I might, I might, but I don't think I will. But what I have is like, it's like fun to play every now and then. And then, you know, honestly though, it's like what I really want is a, I want to have friends who would actually play this game who live near me is like, that's really what I'm, when I'm, when I go back and like get sift through my old stuff, I'm just kind of like searching for a time that I kind of had when I was a kid, but also never really hundred percent existed. Cause you know, even when we were young, we lived far away from each other. And then I'm also just like, I wish I had, I wish there was like a good Star Trek game to play now. Cause that, that was something else we, yeah. we you know, Jacob and I were talking about it's just that there is a a uh, a dearth of Trek uh, like like kind of like hard or not hard but like kind of crunchy Trek strategy games right now like there hasn't been a customizable card game for for or like any kind of card like strategy card game really for for Star Trek since I think like 2012 which is insane when you think about all of the Trek stuff that's been out since then. You know, yeah, uh, and like the like the only things the the only things I can think of that are even like like strategy game like related for Trek are things that are basically licensed off of other stuff. So like there's Star Trek Frontiers, which is a which is a Mage Knight reskin, and there's which looks pretty fun, but I still haven't. Uh, but I, but it's not it's still not like its own thing. And then there's like uh, Star Trek um oh shoot uh, there's Star Trek Attack Wing, which is just like an again like a a reskin of the X Wing uh game from from Fantasy Flight. So uh, okay. yeah, I wish that yeah, it seems like there's kind of an market i will say if anyone from from star trek listens to this uh <laughs> hit me up i work at a game company you know like That's i think right. i can make a pretty dope uh, i can i can help make a pretty dope um star trek game so uh but yeah anyway we'll have to we'll have to to, to whip them out sometime when, when I, next time we see each other yeah for sure Hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And today we are talking about Return to Grace, which is uh, Deep Space Nine, Season 4, Episode 14. It was uh, directed by Jonathan West, and it was written by Hans Beamler, or maybe Boimler. I think think we've seen Hans Beamler. (laughs) Have we made this joke before? We made this joke recently, yeah. I feel like so, that happened written, recently, yeah. Written by Hans Beimler and story by Tom Benko. And um, the, the Memory Alpha synopsis of it is, Kira and Goldukat chased the Klingon bird of prey that destroyed a Cardassian outpost where Cardassian and Bajoran representatives were holding a conference. I'm going to check on, on Hans here because I want to see if he wrote something else we had we had done recently. Uh, but but while, while I do that, why don't you talk to me about... I want to hear like some general thoughts from you about this episode before we kind of get into it because I was watching and I was like, oh, this, this episode takes place at a very specific point in... I got, like even though this is kind of just like almost like a, a two-hander the whole entire episode I was like this is kind of uh, a I feel like this one kind of requires a fair amount of context to actually understand like the positions of the characters in relation to each other in this I don't know I was curious what you thought yeah like, kind of year. and I, th- there, I think we've talked about a few of the like things that are going on at this time sort of in reference in other episodes you've kind of had to explain the stuff to me because I, I both in like the overall lore of Deep Space Nine and I think specifically in like Ducat's story arc i mean part of i feel like i've kind of we've kind of approached i I wrote down that like specifically like ducat and his daughter i feel like we've kind of gotten his story in reverse in the way we've been doing it yeah that like one of the first things you know that i can remember like recognizing gold ducat from is that like he's the he like gets possessed by demon and kills jadzia dax and then you know after that kind of recently we watched the episode where like he joins the Dominion and, like, becomes the ruler of Cardassia. And in that one, I think his daughter is, like, living on Deep Space Nine, and he, like, threatens to... He's like, I'm gonna blow up the station, I don't care if she's on it or not. And then in this episode, we get, like, oh, Ducat is, like, 
this guy who like just wants to take protect his daughter and like he's been kind of like disgraced by Cardassians and mm-hmm. by the end of the episode like turns into a or like decides he's going to try to turn into a guerrilla fighter that and, like I feel like this is the most I think sympathetic Ducat has ever been in anything I've seen which is like weird because the first thing the first thing I saw him do was like murder a beloved character and so I'm just like well this is a, the villain of the show right and in this one he's kind of just like like I don't think he's a good guy in this episode but he's like working with the protagonist and you know you get this like kira obviously like doesn't like him and can't forget him but you get the sense that like he has some part of him that is trying to do what he thinks is right and like cares about his family and that so yeah it's really interesting to watch this i think episode like after having watched the entire show because it really you can kind of see what they were doing with him the entire time or at least for the entire second half of the show and it's really like i don't know I really like this episode a lot. I'm 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 curious like what you thought of it cuz I, I feel like yeah. if maybe if you don't have a lot of investment in these two maybe it's not super interesting cuz it is mostly just them talking, you know. It really but. is. Yeah. I, I also like I I sat down and kind of figured this out on this episode that I'm pretty sure this was an episode that was made with only seven actors for the most part. Like there are kind mm-hmm. of the bookend scenes that are like on Deep Space 9 where like they're just like, "Hey, here are all our other main main cast members like making their appearance because they're under contract but for the rest of the show like it's almost entirely just Ducat and Kira and then there's Ducat's daughter there's like the other guy on the ship yeah, Demar. Demar, who like anytime something before. needs to be done, Ducat's just like, I'll have Dumar do that. And then and then there's like two extras in the background. But there's never more than two of them that are yeah. either Cardassian or Klingon, depending on which scene it is. And that's like yeah. the entire episode like is made with like you, you kinda wonder if this is one of those where like for like budget or time reasons they like split up the cast and crew and like we're making two episodes at once or something. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I I didn't I, I didn't I didn't look into that before I maybe I should have, but Yeah. By the way, Hans uh, Bemler, we last we last saw him. He co-wrote that really bad "Drugs Are Bad" episode from from uh, TNG season one that we watched recently, <laughs> Sym- Symbiosis. And he actually is also going to. He's actually writing the episode that we're doing. He wrote the co-wrote the episode that we're doing next week or next next episode. So we'll see oh, him again in a couple of weeks. But which we'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, it was, it was it was really interesting for me to watch because I think that like. You're right that he's kind of more sympathetic here, but I think that, like, he... I think uh, Marco Lamo, the guy who plays Ducat, I think is really good. He's, like... Because he's clearly, like, very charismatic, and he's a good actor. And I think especially it's, like... it's. I think it's harder to be a good actor on the show if you're playing an alien, because you have... Like, you can't use much of your face. Yeah, you have you have to kind of out-act the prosthetics that are on you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and especially, I think, if you're a, if you're a Cardassian or a Klingon, like, it's, it's tough. And... Or even you know like I think like Doug Jones does a great job on um, on Discovery. Yeah, you know, even though yeah. he's uh, he's got all that stuff on his face. But I think that like watching watching like the show now that you kind of I've seen kind of seen Ducat's whole journey and how bad he ends up being because it's funny too because you know you were saying that we've seen him in reverse and and we almost did really see him totally in reverse because the very first episode we did is like one of the last episodes of ds9 and it just so happens that he's not in that episode but in the episode like before and after that i think he's he's in both of those and he's doing like some pretty odious stuff in in it you know and, and so like we all we just kind of just missed him being even even worse like for our very first episode not that we again not that we probably would have been able to tell which one was which because I, I remember watching those and being like i don't know who any of these people are 
<laughs> and, and actually, again, I don't know if you remember, but if, if you if you recall this, but in our very first episode, there's kind of a standoff where, because Kira is working with Cardassians as kind of a resistance force at that point. Point. And there's a, there's a standoff between three Cardassians who we didn't know who any of them were. And one of them, the one who dies in that scene, is a, just another Cardassian who like, is like a one, one or two episodes at the end. And one of them is Garrick, and one of them mm. is Damar. And For, oh, the, from from this episode? From this episode, yeah. The, it, really? Because that's the guy that ends up becoming like reformer of Cardassia, right? Like that's I feel like that's well, how that episode kind of set it up. Is sort like, of. <laughs> Like, he's kind of the one that's kind of coming to... Like, he's, like, sort of leading this other group of Cardassians. And, like, Kira's yeah, trying to convince him, like, do the, do it the right way. And, like, stop oppressing all these other races or whatever. No, it's not really like that. It's... it's Okay. I, I kind of almost don't want to tell it, get, get into it too much, because it is fun to watch it as it unfolds. But... Really? But so basically, that's... you know, the, the, the Cardassians... I, I guess I'll say this. Like, the Cardassians, like, switch sides a bunch throughout the show. And so it's... It, I, I think it's actually... I wanted to explain that a little bit for this episode too because this is gonna be a long episode but although i don't know how much we'll actually talk about the episode itself because there's not like, yeah this may be what it. most of it is yeah because this one i was very disoriented that like the klingons are the bad guys again like i feel like yeah i'm very interested like what happened in seasons like two or three of deep space nine and then at like but bo- i'm very curious what happened before and after this that right now like we're working with the cardassians to like defend them against the klingons who it seems like are kind of like wiping the floor with them and then Right. By whatever that next episode of Deep Space Nine, or that recent one we watched, like, the Klingons are the good guys again, and, like, now the Cardassians have joined the Dominion and are the bad guys again. Right. So it's it's a lot. So so I, I can tell you that, though. So that's, that's what I was going to say. So that, I'd say probably, like, the first the first season of, of DS9 is mostly, like, establishing the characters and kind of, like, the world, because, like, the world of DS9 is more important than the world of any other Star Trek show, probably, that they've ever made in terms of, like, understanding, like, the politics and, like, all of the geopolitical stuff that's just another word for politics i don't know why i said that but <laughs> it's so like kind of establishing that and kind of being like okay so these people are this is what trills are this is what this is what odo is and kind of how he kind of got there and you know a little bit little bit of stuff about like the political system of the frangi and all these things and then and but like kind of the centerpiece of that stuff being the kind of the aftermath of the bajoran of, of the cardassian occupation of bajor because basically right before the show like kind of towards the end of tng you know they make a treaty with the federation makes a treaty with cardassia and so cardassia kind of gives up some of these places that's been occupying but there's still a lot of tension there between the the bajorans and the cardassians because the cardassians occupied them for you know like 50 years and then in seasons two and three that's that part of it kind of still remains but then that's when we kind of start being like okay this we know what the dominion is a thing they're they're starting to kind of come we, we know that they're a threat they're kind of on the other side and like maybe they might come and try to to do something up in the in the alpha quadrant maybe you know but like it kind of is you know it's not it's 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 not the, the main thing but it's it's, a, it's kind of a constant like undercurrent of like so things might go bad but it's and it's kind of getting worse and worse and so season three actually ends on like a really good episode where basically the revelation is that like there's a ton of dominion changelings who are all over the alpha quadrant who it's not quite like a cylon thing from Battlestar galactica but it's like it's sort of a similar idea to that uh, that like there's a bunch of changelings who are here and we just don't know where they are exactly and then 
then at that point, the show is not getting great ratings. And so the, you know, whoever is in, char- in charge, like higher than the, the story, the story people are like, hey, you need to make this more palatable to people. And so they're, and so they're like, well, you should make the Klingons the bad guys again, because people know what their deal is. And so the Klingons have not really been in the show very much at this point. And so, but then like, basically they, in the, the premiere of season four, they write Worf onto the show. Cause now, you know, cause now DS9 is done or that's TNG is done. I mean, and then the Gowron who is in charge of the Klingons now decides, I don't even remember exactly why, but he basically decides to declare war on both the Cardassians and the, the Federation. And because I think he's just, he wants to like, he wants to kind of, you know, make, make, make Kronos great again, basically. Right. Like kind of similar to mm-hmm. kind of it's a, like we need to, to my thing start conquering people yeah and and so then there's a period of i think a, probably a season and a half where the cardassians are kind of uneasily allied a little bit with the federation because they're both under attack by the the klingons but then in season five i think is when this happens yeah yeah this is yeah this is what happens in because we see it happen we see it happen in the in the episode we just watched the by inferno's light episode which is in season five that, that at that point then ducat he kind of has weaseled his way back into to cardassians society enough that he makes a secret deal with the dominion to ally with the dominion and so then that ends their their alliance and that also basically ends the war between the klingons and the federation because then they team up to fight the dominion the the dominion and <laughs> it's just so complicated but it, it really it's it's very like fun to watch as, as it goes on so they team up to fight the dominion and eventually like the romulans join them too and then eventually guldicott does some stuff that kind of puts him on the outs with dominion leadership and so they basically then install damar as like kind of a puppet leader but he's actually being controlled by Wayun and the dominion but then basically by the end damar also has decided that he doesn't want to do that anymore and so he he decides to lead like a Kardashian and revolt against the Dominion. And so that's when you... That's kind of his his final form by the very end of the show. But he actually... And this is the Damar that in this episode is just like the guy who flies the ship. Yeah, well, you because you if you 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 if you watch the show, you'll see he kind of he appears in like several episodes in this kind of a role where it, uh, often enough that you're like, okay, he's like kind of he's Ducat's assistant. Is mm-hmm. you kind of like, you watch the show enough, you're like, okay, he's just kind of always there helping Ducat do some stuff. Yeah, because see, in this episode, I had assumed he was one of those just like one-off characters that's just like the second in command of. of this ship that someone is flying that interesting yeah, no, he he's so he ends up yeah he does he kind of appears in that in that role a bunch of times but like by the time that he kind of ends up being elevated he's done enough things where you're like okay yeah i know I totally know who this guy is and then he i would say actually too i don't remember what that guy's name is the guy who plays tomorrow let me look it up but he also like he again not that he doesn't have a lot to do in this episode but i really like him a lot too i think he does a really good job he kind of has like this very fun thing where he kind of is sort of without really asking for it is kind of thrust into the position of being this puppet leader and at worst he kind of is sort of into it but then like as as time goes on he gets more and more so he's played by Casey Biggs I think actually might play some other role I think I've seen that name before maybe not but he but he kind of kind of the more he is in that job he kind of grows to like hate it and hate it more and more and more and so he kind of like has this very very fun oh yeah he's in a ton of stuff he's he's been he's been he's been multiple oh maybe not he's yeah so he's in one episode of Enterprise 
Enterprise, and then he's in a bunch of different versions of Damar, and then he's uh, and then he I think he's also in one of the um, the episodes of DS Nine where Far Beyond the Stars. He's in one of the Far Beyond the Stars episodes too, as like a different. Oh, okay. But, where like everyone's played by the same actors, but without a bunch of alien makeup on. Yes, and so, but yeah, he's really he's he, I really like him a lot too because he kind of gets to like play these kind of like this incredible increasing descent like like a descent into like just this feeling of like frustrated helplessness, you know. So uh, yeah, I I like him a lot too. But yeah, so it's just it's funny because you kind of you you almost kind of we 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 hit this in kind of the one of probably the shortest periods of political stasis in the show where there's only about a season and a half of time where this conf- configuration of things would be happening where they'd be working to fight like these two would be working together to fight the Klingons you know like doesn't that doesn't that's that's not a, a, a very that's not a constant state that's that's going on on the show so unedited and I'm sure we'll edit this down but unedited right now we've been talking for about 30 minutes um, <laughs> so why don't you why don't you uh, take us into the, the episode yeah, I, get all the, and I think that works for this episode because this is yeah, like, yeah. not a lot happens it's totally. mostly about what is going on mm-hmm. but yeah so so this episode starts with kind of the setup is that uh, Kira is is supposed to go to some Cardassian like colony to meet with or to attend like a summit between like Bajoran and Cardassian diplomats to kind of like just discuss what's going on with this whole like the Cleons attacking and that is my understanding like basically she's been just kind of assigned to to attend this thing and we, yep. and then we find out that Golducat who used to be like kind of pre DS9 used to be the basically like the military governor of Bajor, right? Like he was like on Deep Space Nine, but overseeing kind of the occupation of Bajor by the Cardassians. Right. It is now because it's been kind of found out that he had this half Bajoran daughter, he's been disgraced with the Cardassians and has been demoted to basically just kind of flying this lousy freight ship that has like yeah. terrible weapons and terrible shields and and like basically just kind of like only shuttles. Three crew members apparently as you were saying what's that <laughs> only yeah. three visible yeah. crew members besides himself right um yeah and so like his job is to just take her to this to this place and so when they they arrive at this at this planet or this cardassian kind of like outpost and find that it's already been attacked by the klingons and everyone there's dead and then they see this klingon bird of prey that just kind of like flies off it just ignores them because it knows that they can't hurt it and then flies away and so initially Ducat I think tries to attack it with the sort of like lame weapons that his ship has and it does no damage and the Klingons kind of don't even acknowledge them and then Kira comes up with this plan to take the kind of defense systems from this outpost and jury rig them to work on the ship to have a weapon that's powerful enough to attack the Klingons and there's a kind of I don't know it's like I think a little almost to the point of being comical scene where she's you know she because she was a like resistance fighter for the Bajorans and kind of this sort of like guerrilla type tactics person for a long time when they were fighting the Cardassians and Dukat you know has always been this very like you get the sense that the Cardassians are very structured and very by the book and very kind of military society and so as she's like describing this plan to him he's almost like too much just like incredulous that this is even possible like she's like so we'll take the you know we'll take the cannon from the space station or the the outpost and we'll like load it up into our cargo bay and then like we just open the cardboard bay doors and shoot it out and he's like but but that cannon was never intended to be on a spaceship and this cargo bay is supposed to be for cargo not for putting weapons in and and she's just kind of like yeah that's 
He's acting kind of dumb in this episode a little bit. Yeah, which is a little especially that scene, he's very I feel smart, like, is, usually. is a little over the top, the just degree to which he kind of has no way to, like, he's completely incapable of, of holding in his mind the idea that you could, like, take something from one place that's used for one thing and, like, use it somewhere else for a similar thing, even though that's mm. not what they're intended for. But anyway, so they, they get this, this cannon set up and then, you know, fly over to, they, they like, track down the Klingons and confront them them and basically like trick the Klingons into thinking that they have some valuable dilithium on their ship so the Klingons try to tractor them in and that's what lets them get close enough to shoot the Klingon ship with this disruptor and then it kind of hurts the Klingons but doesn't destroy them and so the Klingons are moving to attack them and so then Kira's next plan that she comes up with is they beam over onto the Klingon ship and then use the Klingon transporters to beam all the Klingons back onto their ship that's a fun little thing what's that that was fun I thought yeah I thought that was a really fun trick that they did (laughs) um and then and then the Klingons are kind of on this like crappy disabled freighter and they're on a Klingon bird of prey and then Kira's like all right let's let's go back and like tell the Cardassians what we did, and then Dukat decides before they leave to blow up the freighter and kill all the Klingons. And and sort of the, kind of the whole, Dukat, Dukat's whole, like, motivation this whole time has been that all he wants is to do something that will impress the Cardassians enough that he'll be kind of reinstated to his former level of, like, power and, and honor, you know, that he's so mm-hmm. mad that he's been demoted, and, like, all he cares about is, like, kind of getting back on top. These You get the sense, he's, this is a guy who's, like, spent his whole life like trying to climb the this like military political ladder and just wants to get back there and and there's and the kind of you know sort of humanizing part of it is that you know the the thing that made him fall from grace was his daughter but you get the sense that he does you know he does care about at least at this point he does care about his daughter and kind of like it's not that he would go back and like he and you know he doesn't regret what he did and like wouldn't give up being able to have a relationship with his daughter but he also wants to reclaim like what like he still feels like he was treated unfairly and wants to like get back what he lost Mm-hmm. And so so then he kind of contacts the Cardassians and lets them know, you know, like, hey, I, you know, killed these Klingons and have even, like, captured this bird of prey. And I think it has, like, a bunch of intelligence on it. Like, they now know sort of, like, what the Klingons' plans of what the next places they're going to raid and everything are. And so it's kind of this huge take that they just had. And then he comes back and says, well, the Cardassian command doesn't care about any of that because they're trying to, like, negotiate peace with the Klingons. And, you know, then he gets kind of upset about that and he's like well then i guess i'm just gonna <laughs> and again in another like sort of amusing thing he's just like well i guess i'll just become a gorilla fighter like you used to be kira it can't be that bad right yeah like this guy that like used to be this you know very formal like military governor is just like well now i'll just become a, a freedom fighter mm-hmm. and so he decides he's gonna like fly around in this ship and kind of like attack the klingons and he tries to kind of throughout this episode he's been trying to convince kira to like like him more i think like sort of it's sort of hinted as like trying to interest her romantically which she just yeah, has, is having like none of but then by the end is even just tells her like we don't have to like each other but you're a very valuable and experienced person in this sort of thing that like i and like we both you know like you're meant for for being a, a warrior and for for being a fighter not for like being a bureaucrat on a space station and like tries to convince her to join him and says you know we don't have to like each other we just have to work well together and she decides to go back to deep space nine instead and also convinces him to let her take his daughter 
back to Deep Space Nine too, so that she'll be safe and she won't be, you know, kind of always in danger and always fighting and killing. Mm-hmm. And so he does, and they like drop them off on Deep Space Nine, and then he flies off to. And I think that's yeah, the end he, of the episode. And then, yeah, and then he just has that bird of prey for a while, like you see a couple more times. He's got he he, he just like he he, he that, that's his ship now. <laughs> so like I mean like what did you think of this episode like were you were so, you interested in this episode was it kind of boring what do you think it was it was a little I mean I I think it was interesting I think like the you know it was clearly a, like a character piece about kind of specifically Dukat both Dukat and Kira but, but I think more about Dukat like Kira didn't really like change or grow much in this episode I think she kind of took the stance of like I don't like you and I am only helping you because I have to and then was pretty much still there at the end of it Mm -hmm. and like a little bit about his daughter who i guess i just didn't know enough about as a character to really be too interested in in what she was going through Mm -hmm. i think it could have i feel like it's an episode that like could have used a b plot of some sort which i don't know how you could have done because it all just takes place on this like with the two of them on the ship out in space well secretly zial is trying to figure out what damar's favorite food is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what it maybe needed but yeah i feel like it could there could have been some something else go like it, it's not a lot happens for a full like you know 40 minute episode of television mm-hmm. that maybe like if they had kind of punched up the you know sort of like cut down the action of of what's going on in this story and then had like another story like another b-plot or something i don't know i feel like it could have maybe moved a little bit faster and had a little bit less of just like ducat soliloquizing to kira about what kind of people they both are yeah i can see that i, I the, you know they do that there's a few episodes specifically with ducat where he is kind of like with somebody and then he kind of spends that episode being like you know just doing things like you and i are alike you know but uh, which I, so i understand why that might be a little tiresome i really like this episode i think i think it's you know I, i've not been super high on on nana visitor in these in the show but i, I honestly i think that she got i, I definitely started liking Kira a lot more by the end of the show and I think this is what is probably one of her better performances I think she does a really good job in this episode just some of the deliveries she has to, she gets to like give when he you know like when when he when I, th- I think I think the thing the thing with Dukat is that he wants to be seen as like a good person like he wants people to like him and he wants people to admire him but he doesn't actually want to account for any of the things that he has done and he and he also like doesn't really it's it's like a thing of like you know he always like you know the this happens a lot where like he and he and Kira will be talking and, and like in this episode and others and you know he'll she'll be like well you were you know you you led the occupation you know you were in charge of the occupation of my planet yeah you like persecuted our people for decades usually his response is either something along the lines of like that's in the past you know haven't i already apologized enough for that or whatever or it it'll be like well you know i you know i did my best to even like zialikar talks about in this episode where he's kind of like oh he feels bad about a lot of what he did or just like you know he tried to he'll talk about how he tried to actually make things better for the bajorans when he was there like he would he made it he he would he made it so that like their their hours weren't as bad in the mind and stuff and it's like and he's expecting credit for this but it's like well they're still enslaved you know it's not it you don't get credit for like being a nice a slightly nicer slave master you know that yeah i uh, guess i do i do kind of get that sense that he's he's one of those people that thinks like isn't really capable of looking past like kind of the most recent thing or like doesn't realize the like lasting impact that his actions have like he'll do like one good thing and be like ha see like you know like when they're like even i I mean this episode like they're you know the 
the place that got destroyed by the Klingons, there were both Cardassians and Bajorans there. And so, like, Kira wants revenge on the Klingons just as much as he did. And, like, his kind of thought is, like, oh, well, we're, like, friends and partners now. You know, and, like, and she does, like, like well, one thing to help not, him. And he's, like, know. yeah. And, he, and he's, like, ah, well, like, now we're clearly on the same side. And she's, like, no, I will never forgive you for all the terrible things you did while you were occupying my planet but like yeah also right now we both want the same thing and we're on the same ship yeah but i and i think one reasons why one of the reasons why she won't forgive him I mean, obviously like what he did is awful and i'm not saying she should forgive him but at the same time part of it is that he never he wants forgiveness without having to do any kind of penance or you know it's like he you know he, he certainly he would never consent to be tried for what he did but also it's like i i'm pretty i'm reasonably certain you know he says a lot on the show like oh we've already kind of ta- you know i've already apologized or i made some mistakes or whatever but he never ever will say say what mistakes he made he'll never actually and he, he never really apologizes to <laughs> Kira or anybody did. for for any of it yeah and, and you know and there's this yeah but there's this great like part of it there's a she has she gets to really deliver some great like withering lines in this and there's a, especially like there's thing where she kind of says something to him and he's like well you just need to you just need to get to know me better and she says i don't want to know you better and just like the, the like the the amount of like hate that she can like pack into that that line is so so good but just like the thing where he said he says at one point i didn't write very many notes for this but like one of the things he says is he says i'm a much more complicated man than you think which is I just think like a perfect kind of encapsulation of like his self mythologizing where mm-hmm. he wants he wants to have it both ways like he wants to be like this military leader but he wants he kind of wants like his cool progressive friends to like him you know at the same time like he you know yeah sure he was the he was the slave master of the Bajorans for years but he made the he made the slaves lives like less bad you know you, you find out later that you know he actually would take Bajoran women and keep them as like his kept women and they would sleep with him and stuff and, and, and but he would always be like well look but you know I'm I I never forced any myself on them like they they all it was consensual but it's like it's not really that's not consensual you know you, you, you were you know they were doing it like at, right, at best because like, like like they had families that they were hoping would be treated better if you know like yeah. if they uh if 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 they went along with it and and even just like in this episode like there's that thing of you know cuz the, the the there's an episode of like a season or two before this where basically Kira goes with him somewhere because he uh, I don't remember how this starts but like basically they they end up go in the same place and he is there because he's trying to kill his daughter because his daughter is half Bajoran and he knows that like he would be that she would not have a good life on on Cardassia and also he would be it would be very bad for him if we're good out about it even though he doesn't really want to he would like he would like his daughter to be alive but he just feels like that's the only way to do it and Kira convinces him not to do it and so and he kind of says something where he's like oh i'm so glad i didn't kill her and it's like that's a crazy thing to say it's, it's, it's like that's you shouldn't be like he it's like he's expecting i'm, I'm like, quite proud of myself and it's for, like, for not murdering my yeah, own daughter like he's very proud of for not committing murder on his child and it's like that's you can't you don't get points for that like that's that's baseline <laughs> behavior it's like i get up and don't kill my kids every day and i don't expect a medal like that's just i would never i mean first of all i would never even think about doing that but second of all like that's not like you you shouldn't get a medal for for not killing your kids like it's like this thing where it's and again i think i think part of it is that like mark mark Alamo is so charismatic in that role and does such a good job but then like when once you kind of have seen him got all the stuff he does later on in the show i feel like that mask kind of falls away and you really i didn't feel like he was really humanized in this episode at all and i don't think you're wrong i think i think that like the way that they play it out on the show is very very keen on 
not like it's very very like keyed into this but i think once you kind of go back and you're like oh he was just like a complete bastard like the entire time and he was just almost just kind of like tricking everybody into Mm. into like putting up with him at all but really like when the chips are down like the thing is like when the chips are down it's like sure yeah he's he's mad that like the cardassians were killed but like really he wants to get he he sees this as like his move to get back into good graces in cardassia and and like when the chips are down like he's going to take the the route that will benefit him even if it's not like the right thing to do so like you know sure like he he's he says right now that his daughter like he's 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 glad he didn't kill his daughter because you know he loves her but at the same time he's also very very confident in this episode that he's going to be fine and so but then but then you know when he has to choose between his daughter and his political aspirations in the episode we watched uh, you know a couple episodes ago he chooses his political aspirations like he doesn't yeah. he he's like well fine i guess you're gonna have to stay here and you'll die because like ultimately like he he's got to look out for himself and so like when when the chips are down he's always going to choose himself he's always going to choose like the more the more like evil option <laughs> and yeah i think he's such a cool character like he's he's i think like the best to me, for my money like the best antagonist that's ever been in star trek and so i was really i just really like seeing like all of his like kind of all of these like verbal hoops he's always trying to jump through and especially i think in this episode because there's so much talking in it and monologuing i feel like he he really gets to like kind of play in that space quite a bit so yeah I really enjoyed that, and then yeah, I, th- I think I think Nana Visitor gets some good gets some good like bits in here too. It, uh, that's something else. I know I've been talking so much in this episode. Um, <laughs> I feel kind of self conscious about, but something else that I think is really good about this show that they that they kind of talk about a little bit in this episode is uh, it, it's interesting too that we're talking about this, and I, I don't want to like I don't want to trivialize like what's going on right now in like Israel and Palestine, but you know this we're 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 talking right now like during a lot of the Israeli state like inflicting a lot of violence on palestinians and and yeah. also just like kind of standing by while just you know regular israeli citizens also just kind of like boot palestinians out of their homes in jerusalem and stuff like that and with with no real consequences and stuff and i think it's really kind of bold of the show to they 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 constantly refer to kira as a terrorist and they do it on this episode too like like they a couple times dukat calls yeah her a terrorist. the, the cardassians and do, the, yeah. yeah and like the show is very like blunt about that like they're like yeah she is a terrorist like like she she is a she was a bajoran terrorist who committed acts of terrorism against against the cardassians while they were occupying her and like she is clearly like the good guy and more or less justified in doing almost everything that she did and i think that's like a really kind of like ballsy thing and and, and i wonder when did this when did this episode come out because like this episode so this episode came out in 1996 so this is you know yeah because yeah, all of ds9 was in the 90s so, like i i yeah. you know i don't think they would have done this in a post 9-11 world because then like terrorism was, was, was such like a huge watchword yeah but, like, although even, even back then I, you know i don't think things things were the great 90, i mean when like, was is, you know i'm trying to think because there was there were some I feel like there was like a, a attack on one of the embassies. There was another thing in New York, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, there was the you know the the World Trade Center was bombed in like '93, I think. Yeah. It just, but it didn't come down. I and mean, you know, obviously there were like terrorist act, like plane hijackings in the '80s, and then I'm sure that there was still stuff going on between Israel and Palestine in this time period, which. Yeah, but I guess didn't have the degree of like kind of cultural. Well, I think it, it, it kind of comes and comes and goes. I, I mean, like uh, the I, I feel like to me like the it, the Israel and Palestine is a very is actually like a, a very good like I think the sh- the show kind of like goes back and forth on whether they want the Cardassians to be like Nazi Germany Germany or 
for it to be like an Israel-Palestine situation. Hmm. But I think there's a lot of parallels there. And so uh, to me, I, I think that like it is, I think, very like kind of bold of the show and like this kind of thing where it, it, it I think like this is like one of those like DS9 is kind of secretly like the most left wing Star Trek show where they kind of are like, yeah, like, it, you know, if 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 you have an oppressive government that's really like doing this stuff, the terrorist can be the hero, you know, like it's it's yeah. I don't know. Like, I think there's something like very kind of very radical for, for, for like a, a show that was on network TV to, to talk about that stuff. So I liked that about the, it too. Yeah. I mean, it is just an interesting, again, kind of a, along the lines of the stuff we've already talked about, but just, I guess not what I was expecting, but interesting to have the kind of the Cardassians in this point in time being the sort of underdog of like, they're the ones that are kind of overmatched. And like, it seems like really kind of being, you know, the Klingons are just kind of beating them at every turn Mm -hmm. that's really like not a position they've ever been in before that i i could see them doing some interesting stuff with that yeah i I think that that does kind of inform like ducat's actions later on in the show too because you know cardassians used to be such a huge a huge military force but then in the beginning of the first half of the show they're kind of in decline because they fought this big long war you know involving their their places and 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 with the federation and they also they have are dealing with the maquis and like you know they they've had all these like really decades-long resistances in places like bejor and so they're kind of a spent force to a degree and which is which is why the Klingon are able to to come in and, and beat them up and then that's that's kind of why Dukat ultimately allies with the, with the Dominion because the Dominion the Dominion are I mean he says it you know it's like this the, this this alliance will kind of allow us to retake our place in the Alpha Quadrant basically yeah it's like the, or, or just I was gonna say yeah just like kind of their like strength and position of power that they were in yeah so I, I think like yeah I don't know, to me it all just with the exception of like the introducing the Klingons like to begin with, which I think ultimately I don't have a problem with because obviously that means Worf gets to be on the show and, and I, I love you know Martok and 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 Gowron and stuff too. But the main kind of like story pieces of of the of the show really do flow pretty organically like from point to point, and I think it just really creates like a very interesting kind of a tapestry of a thing. So yeah, this is this is maybe not like the most important piece of that puzzle, but I think it does offer an interesting snapshot. Yeah. But yeah, well, thank you everybody for listening to this episode. We come out every other week. Our next episode we're doing in a couple Sundays is called Ferengi Love Songs. It is a Deep Space Nine episode again. It is Deep Space Nine Season 5, Episode 20. Uh, so come back in two weeks and we'll be talking about that. Watch the episode if you want to. I, I recommend it. I like that episode a lot. It may not be for everybody, but um, we'll see what, <laughs> what what we both think of it in a couple weeks. In the meantime, you can check out the other shows on the Classical Media Network, which is our other podcast network that we are on. There's Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There is That's Not How Science Works, which is a science pop culture podcast. And there is Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. So check all those shows out. And, uh, you know, if you want to get a hold of us, you can tweet at us at contracts on twitter you can uh, visit our youtube page at out of contracts you can visit our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com or you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com contracts is spelled c-o-n-t-r-e-k-s yeah so until next time thanks everybody for listening thanks everybody bye